What does that mean? It's not that money is so bad. It's not that having an abundant lifestyle is so bad. No. It's when we fall in love with that above all else. Because we have these three areas of miscommunication, the potential for misharmony and for ambivalence becomes huge. Welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And today we're talking about the price tag of parting, calculating the real cost of divorce. And this is a continuation in our series on what? Marital ambivalence, right? And last week we talked about, our last episode it was, we talked about the impact of when two people jump in to save a marriage and sort of what the vehicles and venues are for that. We talked to the episode before that about, we talked in the episode before that about when one person takes the lead and wants to single-handedly save the marriage, even if the other person doesn't. Well, today we're going to talk about some of the stressors that can lead to that. So we're a little out of sequence, a little wonky, but don't mind us. You can always listen to the episodes in any order that you want. All right. So before we get into the cost of divorce, let's get into money in general as a driver. Financial pressure is a huge driver in marriage. And the reason for that is, duh, money determines our lifestyle. What we want for our families, what we want for our children is a lifestyle, a lifestyle that feels abundant, a lifestyle where there's no financial stress. We want to give them the best, right, on one hand. On the other hand, we can take that to an extreme. I mean, let's not forget the old saying that the love of money is the root of all evil. What does that mean? It's not that money is so bad. It's not that having an abundant lifestyle is so bad. No, it's when we fall in love with that above all else that we start to get into murky waters. There are a number of studies that show that there's a huge amount of marital discord around money. Somewhere between 35 and 75%, depending on whose study you look at. Now, I can tell you, as somebody who works with couples, that a huge number, in fact, everybody who comes to work with me, with one or two exceptions, has some concern around money that is a factor in their miscommunication and the problems they're having in their marriage. What that tells me is that the people amongst the people who are having trouble, who are having marital ambivalence, money is a big factor. And it isn't the amount of money, it's how we think about it. And the reason why I stress how we think about it is we all grow up in different economic environments. But not only do we grow up in different classes, let's call it financial classes, or class might be distinguished also by education, but let's stick to financial classes for now. Let's Not only do we grow up with different amounts of affluence, and I'm saying affluence because here in the United States, whether you know it or not, everyone's affluent. A homeless person is more affluent than 70% of the population of the world. They're eating better than a huge number of people in the world. And they have the opportunity to bathe and they have the opportunity to have clothes and they have the opportunity 
to sleep with a rover over their head. Not necessarily safe, not necessarily comfortable, not necessarily even desirable, but still superior to somebody who has a home in the slums of any city in India, for example. Or the slums of any city in Brazil or South America. They're just the, the poor in this country have so much more access and availability than the poor in other countries. I mean, we just need to get that this is a very affluent country. country. All right, so one person grows up in a poor American household and another person grows up in a middle-class American household. And let's be really extreme. They grow up in a very affluent American household and they've got very different concepts about money and how to use it. Or let's talk about this from another possibility. One person grows up in a blue-collar household where the thinking around money is, I'm going to work until I can retire, and then when I retire, I'm going to do what I want with my retirement money to have the life I've always dreamed of. And another person grows up in a household that is run under the philosophy of the work that I do is fulfilling and joyful for me, and I may never retire. I may, when I get older, do less of it, but I love what I do so much that I'm always going to be working. So you have got two different mindsets around money there. Now let's throw in some other factors. Well, first, let's talk about those two mindsets. So you've got one person who is working at a job they don't like, probably maybe for less pay, and another person who's working at a job they love. And the one who's working at the job they don't like is thinking, one day I'm going to stop working. And the one who's working at the job that they love is thinking, I may never stop working. There's a disparity, a there's a, a, mal, a misalignment of values there. Now let's take it to the next extreme. The next extreme would be, well, one person has grown up in a household where they had almost nothing. And another person has grown up in a household where they've had everything. And so the person who's grown up in the household that's had almost nothing um, wants much, much more. And the person who's grown up with much, much more is less concerned. That's That may even be backwards, right? Let's try it the other way. The person who's grown up with almost nothing wants much, much more, but is satisfied with less. The person who's grown up with the in a household that's had a great abundance um, is used to having certain abundances, is dissatisfied when there's less than that level. That's probably a more likely scenario. And it's what I've actually seen. Right? When those two people get married, they're going to have different ideas about spending. They're going to have different ideas about what is adequate income. They're going to have different lifestyle at, uh, concerns. Right? So um, let's call out these factors in a little more detail. What we're talking about is lifestyle. What's the cost of the lifestyle? This lifestyle that people are used to. Couples can fight over lifestyle. Or what's the, the lifestyle that they want versus the lifestyle that they have, right? Concerns about lifestyle can drive spending with unsecured credit, like credit cards, which has very high interest rates and will drag your family down financially and cause a lot of financial stress and fighting. Um, another area that we call that is career. One person might be satisfied with working uh, as a some form of municipal worker, police officer, fireman, teacher, whatever, that guarantees a retirement fund and 
sick days and all those other things. And the other person might be a rabid entrepreneur because they're really excited about what they do. And so there's going to be conflict there, not only about what to do with money. The entrepreneur will always want to roll their money back into their business because they figure they can grow the business so much faster than any 401k can. And the person who's working the steady job is going to be all about 401k. So this is going to be another source of conflict. And let's talk about finances themselves, how to manage those finances. One person may be very invested in making sure that there is no unsecured debt, meaning that they come from a mindset of, I'm only going to spend money that I have, or if I borrow money, it's going to be against assets that I have. Uh, I'm, and those pre, that person is going to be averse to having a mortgage, most likely. They're going to want to have as little, even secure debt as possible. And they're going to want to be, be net savers. And another person might have a financial mindset of rapid growth. And they, be, they might be willing to take on short-term debt at a high cost with the thought that they're going to make so much money doing it that they can pay it off quickly. They're less risk-averse is what we're talking about in terms of finance. All right, so these are sort of three areas and mindsets that can come into clash. So when you look at that, it's not unusual that you would have two people who get married and who might be misaligned about these things. So your categories are risk in finances. Your category is probably risk in career. And we're probably also talking about level of lifestyle. Those are going to be your categories of conflict. And I'm going to tell you that, that that's incredibly common for people to have a misalignment in one of those areas. And what happens is because, as we explored in previous episodes, people have miscommunications, miscommunications based on what kind of brain they have, a male brain or a female brain, because they have miscommunications based on where they grew up. A lot of this has to do with where you grow up and then your family of origin, because they have miscommunications based on, and this is kind of the wild card, what are the strategies that we learn to survive in our families that don't work for us today in terms of communication? Because we have these three areas of miscommunication, the potential for misharmony and for ambivalence becomes huge. And this is why money is one of the leading fight areas for marriages. 76% of all marriages have fought about money. Just so you know. And that strain, I think the probably the best way to put it is that money is an expression of all the potential areas of marital discord and disharmony that can happen. Not all of them, but a lot of them. A huge amount. There are many areas of life where disharmony and discord can happen that are represented by finance, career, and lifestyle. All right, so let's say you're one of these folks and you're in this place and you're thinking, she just doesn't get it. I got to get a divorce. I got to get a divorce. I love her, but I got to get a divorce because she's never going to stop spending. Or you're thinking, he just doesn't get it. Why doesn't he know to put money away for the future? How are my kids going to go to college? What is? Why is he willing to risk all of our finances on his business? Or maybe it's, she's not giving me the lifestyle that I want. What, I, wh why are we living in this crabby little house? I'm going to get divorced so that I can find a better way to do this. 
you're having discord in one of these areas. So get that. You choose, all right, that's it. This is not reparable. The problem is her. Or the problem is him. That's the thought pattern. And the only way to fix it is to what? Get rid of them. That's a very, by the way, that's a very male perspective, right? Men are goal-oriented. I'm going to get rid of you and replace you with somebody else. A female orientation might be, I've tried to get him to pay attention by talking to him. I've tried to get him to pay attention by having a fight with him. I've tried to get him to pay attention in so many ways. Now I'm going to try to get him to pay attention by divorcing him. And hopefully in the divorce process, he's going to come around. Now that's not a, by the way, in both of these instances, those are not conscious thought lines. They're unconscious thought lines based on the way male brains work and female brains work. So let's talk about where the where those thought lines can go. Uh, if you tune into the series of challenges that we're having November, December, January, and February, which is all about divorce and the cost of divorce, this month in November, it's going to be about how to avoid conflict in the holidays if your marriage is on the rocks, whether you're married or divorced. And in December, we're going to get more into the divorce aspects. You're going to learn a whole lot more about this from, uh, we have guest experts coming on. So check it out. Will you want to go to uh, richinrelationship.com for more information? I'm going to make sure that information is on the homepage there. Or if you don't see it there, reach out to me directly, rich at rich in relationship, or reach out to me through this podcast. We'll make sure you get the information you need to tune into those series. They're going to they're gonna be awesome. We've already started recording them. I lo- I'm loving the content. All right, anyway, what you need to understand is the average cost of divorce, says Forbes, can between, be between $15,000 and $30,000, which doesn't sound like that much, does it? Right? If you're $100,000 in debt and you don't want to go $200,000 in debt, $30,000 seems cheap. And I want you to think about this. That's the average cost. That is taking into account all the people who don't have children. People who don't have children have much less expensive divorces. That's balancing out costs of people who have fewer assets and less to fight about or have less money to fight with is probably a better way to put it against people who are earning $100,000 plus and have far more marital assets and children. All right, so on the high end of the scale, you're really looking at spending between 70 and a million dollars. I mean, huge range there, depending on what your assets and income are. Very expensive. And then there's the time that divorce takes, all right? The time that divorce takes is usually a, about a year on, when you have children, could be three years, I even knew someone who had a 10-year divorce, and he spent, by the way, he spent about $500,000 on his divorce. 10 years, $500,000, and he did not have a lot of income. In fact, he started, he created a whole brand of divorce software to speed up the divorce process for people out of his frustration. That was like, he wanted to fix that problem that so shanked him in his divorce. So what you need to get is, There's a big time and money investment here. And now I want you to think about what is the cost of working on your divorce? Um, The average cost of therapy is somewhere from $10,000 and up. That's because 
uh, family therapy and counseling can go on if you want to actually fix the marriage can go on for a long time that's a if you want to have a marriage that's more functional can go on for a long time and statistics that you get on the average cost of therapy are going to be lower because a lot of people don't make it past two or three sessions they go this isn't working and they walk out which is why couples counseling and family therapy appears to have a very low success rate let's just be clear that skews the success rate of those modalities uh, i can tell you that in our blue ocean marriage program we've got a 95 percent success rate very few people walk out most people continue and they get to that place where they want to go and the average cost is between three thousand dollars and five thousand dollars pretty reasonable and so that's a big difference let's call it five thousand dollars to thirty thousand dollars to repair your marriage and in our program it takes approximately three months if you're consistent maybe even eight weeks if you work at it consistently uh, and in a therapeutic model, it might take um, six months to two years just to give you some background on what those things cost. And actually, let's be really encouraging here. I know people who have very healthy relationships who once they have a communication base like our Blue Ocean Marriage Program creates, go on into couples counseling and, and or family therapy and they do that continuously because it's a great place for them to continue to explore disconnects in the relationship. And they do it as a, an ongoing investment. And at Rich Relationship, we're going to be developing ongoing investment programs as well. And so a healthy marriage requires constant ongoing investment. And having outside help could be desirable. It's not a sign of an unhealthy relationship. It's a sign of a healthy relationship that you look for a third party that is equally subjective on both sides to help you with your marriage. In the case of couples that are having financial problems, very often a financial planner might be called in or a financial coach. And these are folks who are trained both in understanding how to help families plan their financial future and to help them create baby steps, excuse me, towards, got the hiccups, towards attaining that financial future. Let's take a quick drink of water here. But that would be secondary to the communication problem. I, I mean, my advice always would be, let's figure out on those three fronts of uh, family of origin, male and female differences, and strategies that you used to use that don't work anymore. Let's identify those really clearly first and establish communication that works, understanding each other's context, right? The reason why we want to know about those three things is it helps us to understand the other person's context. Let's identify those three things first so and have healthy difference resolution so that we can then talk about money in a way that doesn't bring up an an ass-kicking fight, to be blunt. All right, my friends. You get to make the decision. What's it going to be? Are you going to continue to fight over money because of misunderstandings and uh, positions and judgment? Or are you going to get the help that you need? 
If you have any questions, reach out to me. If you're liking this podcast, subscribe. Please encourage others to listen as well. Recommend it to your friends and family. And as always, reach out to me, Rich at Rich in Relationship. I look forward to seeing you at the next episode of Rich in Relationship.